Hello, stackers, and welcome to this special episode. I'll admit this one is a little unusual for us, but I am definitely excited because it marks a new possible direction for the show. We're going to share a product review for Better Backstories, a card deck approach to helping DMs and players alike come up with randomized elements for a number of different pieces of your game. Before we get into the review, I first want to share a bit of background. I'm not sure if or how much I've talked about this in previous special and Creation Corner episodes, but I'd like to say it again so it's bundled with this product review. It's a confession, and I think it's been one of the happiest accidents I have had the pleasure of stumbling over in my time as a DM. It has to do with how I run the process of character creation. Like many others, when the 5th edition Player's Handbook came out, I was happy to go straight through the creation process as it was laid out. Choose a race, choose a class, start rolling dice for some attributes, pick up equipment, hop into the game. This obviously works, but early on I noticed there was a slight logistical problem. After the sections on race and class selection, in fact it happens in chapter 4 I think, there's a section for personality and background. This is where players get to pick things like character background and languages and things like that, the little filler details that help provide a bit of depth. If you've made multiple 5th edition characters in the prescribed fashion, you may have run across the same irritation that I have. As part of choosing a class, you get to choose from a list of skill proficiencies that relate to that class. Often, backgrounds also offer a number of proficiencies, and sometimes there's some overlap between the class and background list. The problem I've found is that by the time I got to the background section, I had forgotten which proficiencies I'd picked up due to class, So there was a bunch of page flipping back and forth to figure that out. I didn't want to drop off a non-class proficiency by mistake, so I, of course, had to do a lot of cross-referencing to make sure I was choosing wisely. By starting with background, however, I found I had a clean slate, and I could pick freely without that back and forth. Rolling straight from that into class selection, I was bumping much of the proficiency selection together, and that made it easier by removing the administrative overhead of having to keep things straight. I found that it flowed more smoothly, and this of course led to a more gentle creation routine. However, after running character creation this way several times through, I began to notice another benefit. By starting with the background, I was thinking about characters differently. Now instead of focusing on the numbers and boxes on a sheet of paper first, I was developing a person with characteristics, a history, personality, wishes, hopes. Before I ever rolled a single die, I was seeing a figure standing distinct from the process, and then the numbers and boxes helped further define elements of the overall person. I'll tell you, it was a complete mental shift for me, and I am a firm advocate of the person-first approach. Not only does it smooth out the process, it makes it easier to introduce new players to the game. By letting a new player focus on the personality, you're really mirroring how we develop in real life. In almost every case, we're just not born into the jobs we're going to have when we grow up. Instead, we go through life experiences that all work together to shape who we are, and when we begin to encounter new life experiences like jobs, that background helps define how we approach them. I have to say, this has probably been the single biggest game changer for me in tabletop role-playing games, and as simple as it is, I love how it's changed the experience for me. One thing I have noticed, however, is that after creating untold numbers of characters, I've gotten a little bored with the available background options. I mean, how many charlatans do you really want running around in your fantasy world? Is every child an orphan? 
I know there are plenty of online options that people have made up over the years, but I don't think of that when I'm getting into creation. It would be so much easier to have a tool at hand. If you have found yourself in the same boat, help is here. There is a review in all of this rambling. A couple weeks ago, I came across Better Backstories through a brief exchange on Twitter. The basic idea is that you can use a deck of cards to provide a starting point for just about anything that comes up in your game. After the brief exchange on Twitter, I was elated to hear from one of the creators tied into this project, and before long I had a full standard deck in hand. In this review, I'll be talking about the Big Bundle box, although there are several variants of the deck, and I'll get to those in a bit. Let's get to the product. The deck itself is compact and comes in a standard cardboard box large enough to contain the entire deck, just like you'd expect for a regular deck of cards. At 88 cards, the deck is a little larger than you might be used to, but it's manageable in the hand. Also included is a small instructions foldout that explains the layout of the cards and the various symbols. In all, there are eight categories of cards, with ten cards in each category. The categories are Life, Change, Trouble, Benefit, Mystery, Drive, Mystical, and Technical. Also included are three explanatory cards that provide icon descriptions for all the categories, and also for weather and landscape icons, and we'll talk about those more in just a moment. There are also five blank card templates that allow you to add cards of your own design. So if you come up with concepts that you really think should be in the deck, you've got the way of adding that. Design-wise, I think the cards are well executed. Iconography is consistent and clear. The cards may be played face-up to reveal full details and options, or face-down to hide what's on them so that they can be revealed when the time is right. That helps you to preserve as the Dungeon Master an aura of mystery about what is going to happen. Text on the cards is clean and clear, and probably large enough for most, if not everyone, to read. The idea here in this deck is that if something comes up in-game, you can pull out the deck, throw down some cards, and have a ready reference for scene flavor. Whether you're applying the cards to a random character, adding an instant weather change, or dropping new features into a landscape, you have a powerful new tool at your fingertips. So to illustrate how this might work, we're going to run through a few examples and give a sense of how they might be used. And I'll say that this is probably my personal take on how to use them, but that's the great thing about this deck. Even in the instructions, it says, feel free to disregard, modify, use them as you like. And so that really opens things up for you. So we're going to start by making a non-player character. In the instructions, they give you a graded list of how many cards you might draw based on the type of character it is. So for a random townsperson, you might draw one card, whereas somebody who is an experienced hero, they recommend eight or more cards. Really, you can just kind of play this as you like. I'm going to use a two-card approach to make a random NPC in a town. Let's say the party wanders into town, and they call her the first hapless peasant that wanders by, and you as the DM were not prepared for this. You turn to your trusty deck of cards, and we're going to pull out two of these cards. I'm just going to pick two at random. And because these are for me, and I'm trying to come up with something behind the screen, I can play them face up. And the two cards I picked, the first one is a patron. So this person, maybe not a peasant after all, maybe dressed shabbily, but is actually quite high-ranking within the town, or perhaps has a patron. Really, the cards just give you some flavor, and you can apply it in whatever way makes sense to the situation. This is marked as a benefit. It's got a diamond in the upper right corner, 
and there's a plus sign, which means, generally speaking, you can read this as a benefit, as a positive thing for the thing to which it's applied. The flavor text says you have or had an influential supporter. So maybe let's, let's modify things a bit. This peasant wasn't always a peasant. At one point, he was a promising artist, had a patron, but something happened. And so he lost that patronage, and now he's fallen on hard times. There's also a list of 10 possible things that could be applied to this. I said artist, but this gives a list of things that the patron could have been. Wizard or doctor, famous entertainer, retired criminal, and so on. And if you wanted, you could just pick one out of the list, or you could roll a die, a 10-sided die, and come up with something on the fly. But basically, we are saying that this random NPC that the party has accosted was once a promising artist and has fallen on hard times. Now, the second card is going to tell us why. Again, I drew these at random. It could have been any combination of cards. The second one is Phobia. This has a lightning bolt in the upper right corner, which marks it as a trouble. And there's a minus sign next to that, which means this is a negative thing. You have a serious phobia of some activity, creature, emotion, or item. It may be the result of some trauma, or the reason might be a mystery. You have a very hard time dealing with this thing when it comes around. So applying this to our made-up NPC, here's an artist who was just looking like he was on top of the world, but then his phobia kicks in whatever, I mean, we could make it as fun or silly or, or terrifying as we want. And the great thing is this can have immediate effect on the interaction. So perhaps it's xenophobia. Maybe the former artist is afraid of meeting new people. And so when the party grabs him, he, he falls to pieces. And so you can have that phobia play through the interaction and become a real part of the encounter, making it a much more memorable thing. So in two cards, we have built a very interesting backstory for this made-up character. We've had very little mental energy involved in making this up because the cards have helped us do it. In addition to adding flavor to characters, the cards can also be used for defining weather events. And so we're going to do that now. We're going to have a weather event. I'm going to leave my two drawn cards out so we don't risk picking them again. And I'll pick another two. And this time I'm going to leave them both face down, leaving the back of the card face up. And there are some icons on the back of the card, and by reading through the instructions you can figure out what they represent. But the great thing is they give just enough information that the players will be able to get a sense of what they might contain, but the true details of what is on them is on the other side, the face down side. And so the players, even if they can glimpse what the cards show, on the back, they're not going to know exactly what's on them. So let's say the party is wandering somewhere. They crest a hill, and looking at the back of my first card, I see that there is a drought marker. So the weather is that there's a drought, and there's also an island type. So perhaps they come over a ridge, and down before them, they see the coast, and the oceanward side of this ridge, the ridge is so high, it keeps weather patterns inland from moving out towards the ocean. And so there's actually an arid section here along the coast, very sandy, wide, wide beaches leading to the rolling surf. And so there's this drought area, but then across the water, maybe a couple miles distant, they can make out the dim outline of an island lying there. So let's say the party says, you know what, we really want to go check that out. Maybe there's a catamaran beached on the coast. 
they want to go down, take the catamaran over to the island, and so they make their way down. And at this point, you as the DM can flip that card over, and on the other side is the word sourpuss. So you have this very grumpy skipper on the catamaran, and their interaction with him could be, you know, he, he just does not want to help them. They have to spend a lot of time convincing the captain of this ship to get them over to the island. And so again, you've set up some really neat things here with just a card. You've defined an area, you've defined a challenge, and you've very quickly created a character out of nothing. The other card has the rain symbol on it on the back of the card, and then grasslands as the terrain type. So let's say that the party eventually wins over the captain, at least compels him to carry them across the water to this island. As they approach, they can see that the grass on the shore of that island is very thick and very tall and waving, so you've now defined what kind of island it is. But as they approach, rain begins to fall, and that could add some challenges too for navigating the water, for making their way there. And then when the time is right, DM, you can flip the card over, and this card says Tattoo. And you know what? It turns out that this captain was part of that nefarious gang that the party has been trying to track down, and this island is the hideout of this gang, or at least one element of the gang. And so now they find themselves at the mercy of the captain. If they take him out, now they're on a ship that they don't know how to control. If they leave him conscious... Uh, or in charge of the ship, there's no telling what he's going to do. Maybe he'll try and beach the craft. Maybe he'll try and take them to some cove where they will be immediately overwhelmed by the gang forces there. You know, there's so many possible ways you could take this. And again, we've made this whole situation up with just the draw of a couple cards. And then finally, we could apply this to places. The party wanders into a city and they want to go into this building. And so what we're going to do now this time is we're going to draw three cards... I'm going to have one face up, and again, I'm just kind of making this up. There's no rhyme or reason to why I'm doing it. But, you know, generally when you see a building, you notice some things about it. And then I'm going to take the other two cards. I'm going to have a three-card draw for this one, and I'm going to put them face down. So my face-up card is that this is worldly. The building that the party is looking at has the worldly tag applied to it, and the flavor text there is you had a widely traveled friend or family member who told you all manner of stories about their journeys. Through them, you either learn details about a specific culture or you know many odds and ends about various people and their ways of life. So this place, uh, let's say that maybe it's a sailor's, a retired sea captain's house, and outside there are sculptures, there are mementos and things, on display in the yard that show that this captain has been all sorts of places. And that adds immediate interest to the place. The party decides, you know what, we want to go check it out. They want to go knock on the door and speak with this guy because he might have information that they need. So they go and knock on the door and I flip over the second card. Uh Uh-oh, this has the enemy tag. This happens to be the same sea captain that brought them over on the catamaran. I mean, already we're seeing some fun possibilities here. He does not like that they convinced him, forced him to carry them over to this island and risk himself and his ship, or whatever the case might be, however that played out. He does not like it. He harbors a grudge, and so this is going to be a very tense, very uncomfortable encounter. And as the encounter progresses, as the party tries to smooth things over, whatever the case may be, we flip the third card. Enigma. 
A family member has always been hesitant to talk about their past. They might even have given varying accounts of some events so no one knows the true story. The reason the sea captain harbors so much resentment for the party is a mystery. Maybe he had family who decided to go off an adventure one time and they never came back or they were horribly injured or killed and he hates adventurers now because he thinks that they are responsible for influencing this family member to have gone off on this irresponsible way of life. And so now the NPC's motivation for hating the party becomes evident. So, I mean, you can do all sorts of things. However your mind takes the cards as they come can help you to form interesting situations. And again, you can apply this to just about anything in the game. But of course, the primary thing is you're looking at NPCs, weather events, and places. The great thing about the deck approach is that it's customizable to your needs. As the instructions say, if you're running high fantasy, you can drop out certain categories from your deck, like the technical one. If you don't have any swamps in your desert world, don't worry about it. Just adjust the details so they do make sense. It's up to you how you use the deck, and everything is just a starting point. As I said earlier, there are several options for the Better Backstories deck. If you come in at the lowest tier, you get the basic deck, and that's a PDF file, and that'll run you $4. It includes 60 cards that are not tied to a specific genre. The printable document allows you to run off cards on your own printer. The Big Bundle PDF set is $6, and that adds another 20 cards that are genre-specific, specifically to sci-fi and fantasy. The Big Bundle box, which is the one that I've used in this review, is the physical format, and in this deck, you get the full deck of cards in glossy playing card quality, and that'll run you $15. Finally, at the premiere end is the Big Bundle Box holographic. That'll be $35, and if you really want to dress up your cards with a nice multicolor sheen to it, you can go for this route to add some color pop at your table. Based on my experience, I recommend you check it out. If nothing else, the $4 PDF will allow you to print off what you like, and you won't spend a lot. As you've seen, it can immediately enrich your storytelling potential and help you avoid mental roadblocks at the table. As for me, I think I'm going to keep this deck behind my DM screen for those moments when I need inspiration, or when I just want to have the players experience a moment of randomness where none of us know what's going to happen. Whatever deck you end up selecting, I think it'll be worth it. Stackers, what do you think? We'd love for you to let us know through social media, and if you're in our Discord server, we'd love to hear from you in that way. While you're at it, be sure to check out our unboxing images on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're interested in picking up a deck or two, be sure to visit betterbackstories.com now. We've linked to the site in our show notes, so go check it out today. We definitely want to thank Better Backstories for enhancing the state of play through this deck and for contacting us about writing this review. Keep up the good work, and let's make our characters and games more rich with lots of neat detail. We'll see you here again next time, stackers. <laughs>